Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. If you were not with us last week, we started talking about the birth of these twin boys in the Bible called Jacob and Esau. And we started looking at how these two boys were at each other's throat, literally in the womb. It was fight night in Rebecca's womb before these children were even born. And then today we're going to pick up on where we left off. You don't have to go back and listen to last week's message, but I do need you to understand that a couple of very significant things happened last week. One of them is that these two twin boys are going to be at each other's throat for the next several hundred years, literally. Israel and Edom became bitter enemies because of their ancestors, Jacob and Esau. The other promise from the Bible that was scandalous last week was that God said the younger of the two brothers is going to be the leader. And that never, ever happens in the Old Testament. Today, we start to see how that plays out in Jacob and Esau's life. Now, let me set this up for you by telling you, when I was a sergeant in the Ranger Regiment, we ran a course for Rangers to prepare them to invade a country from the water. And it was teaching them how to use small rubber boats, Zodiac boats, to go ahead and infiltrate a country. We taught them how to um, jump out of an airplane uh, with a rubber boat and then parachute out of the airplane afterwards and try to get to that boat. Anybody ever try to run off the ramp of a jet airplane with flippers on your feet? Because I have, and it looks like this trying to chase a boat off of the back of an airplane, and we taught guys how to swim, how to swim long distances together in small teams and make their way to the edge of the beach in a foreign country. And here's what they had to learn. It doesn't matter if you're Michael Phelps. If the currents of the ocean are against you, you're going to die in the water. You will never, ever make it to the beach. If the currents of the ocean are working for you, you really don't have to work that hard. In fact, all you have to do is really keep your head above water, and the water itself, the currents in the ocean, are going to propel you towards the beach. We taught them how to understand tides, but we also taught them how to calculate currents. And we said, if you want to die in the ocean, try to swim to the beach. No human being can make it when you're swimming against some of those intense currents. Anybody ever feel like your life is swimming as hard as you can and you're not making any progress towards land? In fact, I'm swimming to exhaustion and land is getting farther away. It's not getting any closer. Anybody ever felt like that? Well, God makes a promise to Jacob and Jacob's sole purpose in life is to just simply believe God, trust God, wait for that promise. But for whatever reason, Jacob can't wait. God promises Jacob one day, I'm going to elevate you above your older brother and your ship will come in one day, but Jacob can't wait. And so what you see in the Bible today is that Jacob tries to swim 
to the promise that God made him. And here's what I want you to understand. And this is something that may be dangerous for you. It's very dangerous for me. I want you to be careful that you're not trying to swim to the ship that God has already promised is going to come in one day. And you're sitting there seeing that ship out on the ocean and you're looking and you're waiting, but it doesn't look like it's getting any closer. So you decide to do God a little favor. And I'm going to help God out because apparently that ship is not coming in when I thought it was going to come in. And so I'm just going to swim out to the ship. And I think Christians, if we're not careful, will start to try to work our way to the promises that God has paid us, that God has made for us. The Bible is challenging us to do today from this story is to wait well. And if we can be honest, waiting on God is never easy. Learning how to wait well on God is a very difficult spiritual discipline. It's the It's when we have to remind ourselves of who God is, his nature and his character, and refresh ourselves on the promise that God has made to us instead of trying to roll up our sleeves and take care of our problems on our own, instead of trying to help God out a little bit, which is what you see in Genesis chapter 25. I want you to see what it looks like to wait for the ship to come in. Instead of trying to swim out to it and help the ship along a little bit. In Genesis 25, Jacob and Esau are now a little bit older. And they're still at each other's throat. And frankly, mom and dad should be doing their best to try to uh, mitigate this, to try to make it better. But they don't. Mom and dad make it worse. And over the last two weeks, what we've seen is the Bible talking a lot about Jacob and Esau. But the truth is, this passage today is how Rebecca and Isaac, mom and dad, made the matters worse. They could have made this much better, but they didn't. And here's how the story goes. I want you to make sure that it's not worry that is wearing you out. And from the worry, you start working to try to help God out a little bit. Don't exhaust yourself. Don't wear yourself out with worry. Like Jacob was obviously worried about this promise that God made him. The Bible picks up for us Genesis chapter 25 in verse 27. And here's, what this, here's how the story goes. When the boys, Jacob and Esau, grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. But Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. Pause for just a second. We already knew that these two children were going to be different. Their names alone tell us that they're going to be different. We learned while they were still in the womb that Esau, the name Esau, it's, it becomes uh, Edom, and that word means he's red, he's hairy, he's very different from his brother. But Jacob is smooth skin. Jacob has a very different personality from his brother. We already knew that because God told Rebecca that while they were still fighting with each other in the womb. So it's okay that Jacob is a quiet man and Esau is loud and obnoxious and likes to be out in the woods. There's nothing wrong with either one of those two things. But look at what the Bible says next. Isaac, Esau's father, loved Esau because Isaac had a taste for wild game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. 
And this is the point that I want to look Isaac and Rebecca in the eyes and say to them, what were you thinking? Of course, two brothers are going to be at each other's throats. Of course, two brothers are going to fight. I don't know any family where stuff isn't going to be broken when two brothers get angry with each other and start fussing with one another. That's two brothers when things are pretty much even keel between the two of them. These two brothers can't be any further apart. They can't be any more different. And I mean, they're different in the way that they look. They're different in their personality. They're different in their temperament. And in a couple of verses, the Bible is going to tell us they're even different in their faith. These two boys couldn't be any more different from one another. And of course, fireworks are going to go off in the home when Jacob and Esau start getting angry with each other. But mom and dad, you don't have to make it worse. In fact, Isaac, Rebecca, what you're doing is you're helping dysfunction. You're creating dysfunction in the family, when you should be solving dysfunction, when you should be minimizing the dysfunction in the family. Anybody out here have a brother or sister that is wildly, radically different from you? Any parents in this room that have more than one child will tell you two children that came from the same parents in the same home are very different from one another. Listen, Dawn and I had five children, and some days I not only wondered that these two children come from the same parents, some days I wondered, did they come from the same planet because they're so different from one another? And it's okay that children are different. In fact, I think it's normal. I want to take it a step further. I think it's God honoring that children are different because God created us with different personalities. He created us to look different and to talk different and to come from different cultures and ethnicities. No church in this community celebrates differences like we celebrate differences because we believe that it honors the God of all of those cultures, the God who's represented in all of those different personalities. Esau and Jacob were night and day different from one another. And for whatever reason, Esau became daddy's boy, chip off the old block. And Jacob became a mama's boy. And by this, I mean mama tended to elevate Jacob above Esau. And daddy tended to elevate Esau above Jacob. What do you think is going to happen between Jacob and Esau when mama and daddy are not around? What kind of conversations, Rebecca, Isaac, do you think they're going to have when you're not around, when you are the ones instigating, when you are the ones aggravating this? This verse bums me out in the Bible. Why is Esau helping to, why is Isaac helping to make matters worse? Why doesn't Rebecca know better than this? Because certainly she should have seen the differences in her family before she married Isaac. Why are they actually making it worse, not making it better? And apparently, God made a promise to Jacob. He promised this to Jacob before Jacob was even born. I know Jacob heard this promise from his mama at least, and hopefully from his daddy. Jacob, even though they're, you're the younger, you are going to outrank the older. You are going to be the leader, and he is going to be the one that I'm going to elevate you above. But for whatever reason, 
Jacob couldn't wait for that promise. Jacob couldn't hold on for that promise. Jacob was worried about making that promise come true. And today, Jacob decides to take matters into his own hands. If you recognize the name W.E.B. Du Bois, you already know he's a brilliant educator. He was an amazing sociologist. He was an incredible activist. After Du Bois' death, and he left a massive influence in our country on education, really, on the future of civil rights. But after Du Bois' death, he wrote an essay that didn't get published until after his death. Maybe people didn't publish the essay because of how honest, how brutally honest Du Bois was. The title of the essay is On Christianity. And Du Bois started describing what he saw in American churches and how dysfunctional this was. He points all the blame back to the pastors. I am absolutely uh, agree with everything that Du Bois says. He basically says, you know what many pastors try to do? They try to guilt you, shame you, worry you into heaven. And Du Bois says it doesn't work. I'm going to read a quote from Du Bois's essay on Christianity. He says this, the theology of the average colored church. Now this was in his day, but I'm convinced it refers to all churches in America today. The theology of the average church bases itself too much upon hell and damnation in an attempt to scare people into being good into being dis, uh, uh, decent into and threatening them with the results of death and punishment. Instead of doing that, Du Bois says, maybe we should try to draw people to the love of God who wants to have a relationship with them. And Du Bois said, you know, the only thing that's worse than that is the opposite side of the equation that teaches people, Du Bois's words, if you're a good boy, or if you're a good girl and you pray, God is going to give you health and wealth and prosperity because you were good and he's going to reward you for being good. And Du Bois is saying that is not Christianity. In fact, that is dangerous to people's souls. What I think Du Bois is saying, what I think the Bible is trying to remind us today is that worry is worthless. I'm going to say that again. In fact, I'm going to ask you to say that out loud. Would you repeat after me? My worry is worthless. Say that out loud. That's not Jeff's words. That's Jesus's words. Because in the New Testament, Jesus saw people worried. They're stressed out. They're working hard, trying to please God. And he said to them, which one of you by worry can add one day to your life? Why are you going through all of this emotional anxiety and working as hard as you can and trying to worry your way into heaven when you can't even add one day of your life to it by worry? Your worry is not going to cover or not going to accomplish anything. And I think what Jesus is asking the crowd is, is God really big enough to handle your problems? Is God really in control? Because if he's in control, look up here, y'all, then why are you worried? And if you're worried, is God really in control of your life? And that's where the rubber meets the road. Jacob is obviously worried about his birthright. And so Jacob decides, I'm going to work 
to get to the ship that God promised is going to come in. I'm going to work my way to this birthright. And Jacob is going to wear himself out with work today, just like it can happen to some of us in this room. There's a subtle difference. And I struggle with this, and chances are you do too, with working for God and working because of God. There's a small but a radically significant difference between I'm serving God because I love him, because I want to honor him, or I'm serving God. I'm doing the exact same thing in the same place at the same time for a very different reason. I'm serving God because I'm worried I won't be good enough. I'm serving God because I want him to think that I'm good I'm serving God because I want him to accept me as his son or daughter because of all the work that I'm doing. And that lifestyle is miserable. That lifestyle is oppressive. Let me show you how Jacob starts to take matters into his own hands. Verse 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, because he's always in the kitchen with mama, and of course Esau's always out in the woods hunting and doing stuff outside. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. He said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff. Now I think this is a deliberate play on words. I don't know if Jacob is making borscht here, but Esau is a red man. Edom, the name itself, means red, and Esau sees some red stew on the kitchen counter, and Esau says, give me some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. Notice, look what Jacob does here. Where does this come from if it's not from worry or trying to work your way to get to the promise of God? That is why Esau's name becomes Edom. Jacob replied, um, first, sell me your birthright. Esau, you're hungry. You have something that I want. I have something that you want. Let's make a little trade here. First, sell me your birthright. Look, said Edom, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So Edom, he, so Edom swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. And then Jacob gave bread and lentil stew to Esau. He ate and drank and got up and went away. So Esau despised his Birthright. I'm going to leave the word birthright on the screens for a second because obviously in our day and age, something is very different about today than the days of the Bible, this birthright. Can I break this word down for a second? The birth order that you were born in was hugely significant only if you're number one. Your birth was important, and the rights that go along with your birth is what do you get in your inheritance because of the place in the family that you were born? Put those two together, and your birth order determines your inheritance. This is the birthright. The birthright always went to the oldest son. Didn't matter if you had seven daughters first. Didn't matter if you had 14 boys. Boy number one always gets the birthright, and the birthright is twice as much as everybody else. Which means there's a lot on the table when Jacob says, you really that hungry? Give me some food to eat. Give me that birthright of yours. 
And Edom says, well, I'm about to die, so mom and dad's inheritance don't matter that much when I'm dead. I'll go ahead and sell you my birthright. The problem I have with what Jacob is doing here is God has already promised him, although you're number two child, you're the second son, you're going to get the birthright. God promised that before Jacob was even born. So Jacob, why are you trying to manipulate? Why are you trying to trick? Why are you trying to work your way into this birthright that God has already promised you? The Hebrew word for birthright here, it's the word rebekhorum, and it's a special privilege. This child is special. This child is different. God wanted this child to be special because God brought this boy into the family first. And this boy gets more than everybody else. A lot more than anybody else. Now you see what's at stake when Jacob comes in from the field or Esau comes in from the field. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I need something to eat or else I'm going to die of starvation. And Jacob says, oh, really? Well, then you sell me your inheritance. And Esau, the Bible will talk about this in the New Testament, is so selfish so carnal, so sinful that he can't think about the long-term implications. All I know is I'm hungry and I want pleasure. I want food. I want something to fill my belly right now. Sure, you can have the birthright. I don't even care. And Jacob says, I don't have a pen and paper, but you swear before God that I get your birthright. He is trying to manipulate the inheritance out of his brother. Just a few weeks ago, the news talked about this lady. She had an inheritance from her father, older lady. She had an inheritance that she wiped out. She wiped out her bank accounts. She actually sold her house and wiped out the sale of her house. And she did it all for an online romance to a man that was totally lying to her. A guy who was portraying Army General retired Scott Miller developed this online romance with her and started asking her for things, then started asking her for money. Pretty soon, she burned through her entire family's inheritance. She burned through her entire bank accounts. And when this online romance kept asking for more, she sold her house and she started giving the money to the house before the rest of the family realized what was going on and before they stepped in and started asking some questions. The army came out and made an official statement. It said, there are no social media accounts for General Scott Miller. So for the 900 fake accounts out there that are trying to woo some money out of you, those accounts don't exist. That guy isn't really Scott Miller because he doesn't have a social media account. So stop giving money away to somebody that doesn't really exist. Jacob wants what God has already promised. And the ship is out there and I can see it, but it's not getting any closer. And so I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to help God along a little bit. I'm going to swim out to the ship and I'm going to make things work for me when I want them to work for me. And Esau says, all I care about is a little bit of food in my stomach right now. What do I care when mom and dad is gone? What do I care about the inheritance? I think what's happening in the Bible in the Old Testament is extremely significant. But church, listen to me. What the New Testament says about birthright is far more significant. 
Anybody ever memorized that passage? That there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. That he is for you. That no matter how bad things get, that he will always work on your behalf, even when you don't see it happening. Anybody ever memorize those verses from Romans chapter 8? Can I tell you what birthright looks like for you in the New Testament? In Romans chapter 8, it goes like this. We know, Christians, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. Right now, he is talking about everyone in this room, everyone who hears my voice that has been bought by the blood of Christ, even those bad things, even those difficult things in your life, he is putting them all together so that in the end, they will make you stronger. They will work on your behalf for your good and for his glory. Look at what the Bible says next, though. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Jacob and Esau, while they're still in the womb, last week, God made this prediction. Here's what kind of boy Jacob is going to be. And before they're even born, here's what kind of boy Esau is going to be. And I already know what kind of boys they're going to turn out to be. So I choose the younger or I choose the younger, Jacob, and I will elevate him above Esau because I know what kind of man Esau is going to become. And he will not be the son that I bring my, my, my boy Jesus into this earth through. It will be Jacob's line, not Esau's line. Jacob is the blessed son, not the older of the two. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he... You and I that have been bought by the blood of Jesus, here it is, y'all. He will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Because of what God has done for Jesus, Jesus becomes the firstborn. And, our, and the brothers and sisters that will come after him share in the inheritance. Look at what it says next. For those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What the Bible is saying here to us is that Jesus is not just God's only son. Jesus is the son of God and God the son at the same time. And God has an inheritance, but because God is eternal, God gives that inheritance to his son Jesus at Jesus' resurrection. And the inheritance is you and I. And what the Bible is saying to us in Romans chapter 8 is all of the love that God has for his son Jesus is now the inheritance that's available to you through Jesus. All of those promises, all of the power that God made available through his son, Jesus, is available to you. It's available by his Holy Spirit. That all of God's promises are yes and amen through Jesus. And the ultimate promise, the ultimate inheritance, eternal life itself, it is waiting for you because you have been adopted into God's family. You are now God's children. You are now God's little s sons and little d daughters through Jesus. That birthright that God gave to Jesus, Jesus wasn't selfish with it. In fact, he said, I'm going to share it with all of my brothers and sisters. I want them 
to have from the Father what I have from the Father. And I want all of God's people to experience what I have with God the Father. God wants to lavish on you everything that he has lavished on his son Jesus, and it is available to you through Jesus. So the question becomes, why are you working so hard to earn it? Why are you worried so much about how God feels about you when this is your inheritance, when this is your birthright, then this, when this is what's waiting for you in heaven? Edom despised his birthright. Esau decided, what do I care about eternity? I'm hungry right now. And because he's selfish, because he was sinful, because he could only focus on today, he couldn't see the long game. Jacob, on the other hand, was playing the long game. And Jacob said, I know you're hungry, but before I give you a bite to eat, you give me the double blessing. You give me the birthright. What this verse is really, what this passage today is describing is how God's people try to work hard to earn our way into heaven. And if I can be honest, it is an incredible pleasure, an amazing privilege to be able to pastor in a community like this. Guys and gals from the United States military, military families are some of the most talented people that I've ever met. They're some of the most amazing, some of the most incredible families that I've ever seen. They're strong, they're smart, they're resilient, and they can basically handle almost anything life throws at them, which is very dangerous to your soul. Because if you're anything like me, when life starts to get hard, when the ship is out there in the water, but it's not coming in, you decide, well, I've handled some problems and some challenges in the past all on my own. And I know God promised that he would take care of me. I know God promised that he would make sure that everything works together for my good. But it's not happening the way I want. It's not happening when I want. So I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to get in the water and I'm going to start to swim out to those promises that God has made for me. And you find yourself swimming against the current. You find yourself worrying yourself, wearing yourself out, working yourself to exhaustion, trying to accomplish something that God has already said he's going to do for you. And the question becomes, who's really in control at this point? Who's really the captain of the ship? Is it you or is it God? The danger of being very talented, very resourceful, very strong, is that you're always good enough to handle all of your problems on your own. And so you take matters into your hands just like Jacob took matters into his own hands. And instead of waiting on God, instead of uh, trusting God, you work for God and the ca you, you decide, I'm going to be the captain, not God. I decide when the ship arrives, not God. I got some challenges for us today, and this is a challenge for me too. I really believe that somebody's listening today and maybe they've been under this spirit of oppression, this spirit of religion that teaches you if you just work a little bit harder, if you do the right things, if you're just a good boy, those religious efforts that you do, praying and reading the Bible and going to church, at the end of your life, God is going to account for all of those good religious things that you did. And he's going to say you were a good girl. And he's going to let you into heaven because you did those good deeds. And maybe what you need to do for the first time ever 
It's to take a step back and say, wait a second, I can't be good enough. I can't work hard enough. If I could work hard enough, then there was no need for Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth for me in the first place. There was no reason for Jesus to die on that cross. If I could work and do enough good deeds to get myself into heaven, then Jesus' death and resurrection is unnecessary. Now, I think what the Bible is saying is no human being can work hard enough. And I've been trying to work my way into heaven. And maybe today is the day that you finally realize I got nothing to bring to him, nothing to offer him, but I can come to Jesus in faith. And I believe that he will, he will accept my faith and he will do something for me that I can't do for myself. I am convinced that there are a lot of people in this room that need to make this commitment today. Listen, we don't read the Bible just so that it goes in one ear and out the other. Maybe this week you need to decide, Jesus, my heart has been anxious. I've been worried about what's happening around me, what's happening to me, what's going to happen in the future. And I started to realize my worry is not going to make a bit of difference. Jesus, what I need is for you to help me with this anxious heart. What I need is to learn how to trust and just leave it in your hands and decide that ship will come in when Jesus says it's time for that ship to come in and not a second earlier. So why am I wearing myself out, worrying myself to death? For all of us that have been bought by the blood of Jesus, you have in you the Holy Spirit of the living God. You can show somebody what it looks like to wait well without worrying, without working, without trying to take matters into your own hands like Jacob did today, you can show them what it looks like to really trust God and rest in his promises. So would you bow your heads and would you let me pray for us right now? We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.